From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. One of the key benefits, not only to the prescriber, but to the office staff and, and the supporting clinicians, because of the because of the engaging in the solutions electronically, you're able to triage it, um, move it through your workflow, however you manage the administration of your practice through you know task management or inbox management. You're literally clicking and sending to get prescriber signature if it's needed versus moving paper and charts around the office. That's Patrice Olson talking about keys to better efficiency and communication in the prescription process. We'll hear more from Patrice as well as John Vonhoff in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors. MDVIP's fee-based wellness program provides a better, more personalized primary care experience for patients and physicians alike, while providing consistent, stable revenue to your practice. Learn how your group can increase patient satisfaction and loyalty by visiting mdvip.com slash patient loyalty. As a healthcare organization, you routinely check your patient's health. But when was the last time you checked the financial health of your business? Don't let bad billing processes keep you from your hard-earned revenue. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com slash assessment. Our guests today are Patrice Olson, Director of Product Innovation, and John Vonhoff, Product Marketing Manager at SureScripts. They're here today to discuss innovations and better efficiencies in the prescription process. Patrice, John, thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning. Thanks so much for having us, Daniel. We're excited to be here. Yes, thank you, Daniel. Great. Thank you all. So, Patrice, I want to start with you. Uh, Give our audience uh, an idea of what your background has been like in healthcare, what that journey has looked like. Sure, thank you. So I started out my career in healthcare in the PBM space and spent many, many years working in the PBM space from customer support to um, client management through uh, marketing and product development and innovation. And that's where I've spent the vast majority of my career in product innovation in the healthcare space. And I've been with SureScripts about four years now, and I'm currently responsible for managing the e-prescribing suite of solutions for SureScripts. John, let's uh, turn to you now. Uh, Give us a little bit of background of your uh, career in both healthcare and technology. Sure. Thank you, Daniel. And I'm very excited to be here as well. I have spent uh, most of the last 20 years uh, working in both enterprise software and content all in highly regulated markets. So I've worked uh, kind of on both sides of um, 
both the data and the software sides of the industry. Um, for some of the largest uh, data companies in the world. And then I've also worked in very small startup environments. I am relatively new to healthcare and I've been at SureScripts for about a year now, uh, working on our strategic marketing team uh, focused on product marketing. I think what interests me most about this industry is just all the creative resources and energy across the whole industry that's being applied to these really complex problems. So it's a real exciting time to be in healthcare and health technology. Thanks for that, John. And so I wanna to turn to Patrice here um, and discuss something that you've been working on and something that you're looking at as a solution uh, for healthcare professionals. It's Rx Change. Um, sure. Yeah, what are some of the key problems that that solution can help solve? Sure, our exchange is one of the transactions or solutions within our e-prescribing portfolio. Um, you know, e-prescribing has is about twenty years old or more. We've got really great adoption across you know the provider care community between prescribers and pharmacies. But there are a, a lot of additional transactions and solutions that help automate and create efficiencies for some of the workflow opportunities that exist after the prescription is written and submitted by the physician to the pharmacy. Our exchange is one of those solutions. Um, there are absolutely circumstances and times when a pharmacy needs to request a change or a clarification for a prescription. And that's where our exchange comes in. It has been um, developed by NCPDP in, in accordance with the industry membership because there was a need defined by the industry to automate and digitize this workflow because of its prevalence and the need to create more efficiency for both the prescribing community as well as the pharmacy community. So the solution enables a pharmacist or a pharmacy to automatically send a request to a physician when they need to change a prescription whether it's a generic substitution, a request for a prior auth, if they perhaps need to seek a therapeutic interchange because of a benefit coverage determination or a formulary limitation. There's also a specific use case to go and seek an alternative if the pharmacist observes or sees a, an interaction or a drug use um, contraindication. And script clarification, you know, we have so many medications with such complex dosing directions that um, sometimes the pharmacy will need to get clarification from the prescriber. So those are just a few of the reasons or workflow scenarios that would cause a pharmacist to need, need to reach back to the physician. And our exchange automates that and saves a tremendous amount of time and, and creates operational efficiency for both practices. Okay. Thanks for that. Uh, John, I want to turn to you because there are several different stakeholders um, you know, in this process. Many of those we're looking at are really those providers and the patients for sure. Um, they play a huge role in that process. Um, what does this do to them? What does it mean to them and how does this help them in that, in that prescription process? Yeah, and that's a great question, Daniel. You know, the process of a prescription flowing from a provider 
to a patient at its surface seems simple, but I think one thing we've learned in a lot of different ways is there's a lot of complex nuance to that process. And, you know, from the provider perspective, you know, the most important thing that they're concerned about is of course their patient and their patient getting onto that therapy that they've suggested or prescribed. So when we look at our exchange and we look at the problems it's solving, you know, for providers, when things go wrong, um, what happens in their workflow is they start getting calls or faxes from the pharmacy. So they're getting questions about uh, clarifying that prescription. The other thing about our exchange that's really important um, for really, whether it's on the provider or the pharmacy side, is that it helps those work, those uh, very important contributors to the workflow stay in their electronic workflow. So every time they have to leave that workflow and respond to a call or a fax really slows them down and prevents them from doing other things. For patients, you know, again, and we'll go through this in a little bit more detail in terms of an example, it really helps reduce that time to therapy by providing faster responses to changes. So for a, from a patient perspective, I think the biggest benefit is, again, they're not waiting around for those changes to actually take effect. And it really improves their experience. Because I think, again, a provider, when they send that prescription off to be fulfilled, their hope is that that's kind of a seamless experience. And I think a lot of our research has showed that that's not necessarily the case. Finally, from the pharmacy standpoint, again, there are many manual workflows uh, that are manual processes that can be kicked off when there's a problem and reducing those calls uh, to validate that script information, again, really has a, a positive impact on the patient experience in the pharmacy itself. Okay. So I think what you see is that it has a myriad of benefits kind of across all those stakeholders. Right. I, I wanted to follow up on something you said, because I want you to help me understand something here. You are steeped in uh, technology, uh, have a vast understanding in that. You mentioned that faxes are still playing a role here. I, on a personal level, I'm not sure I've sent or received a fax in 10 or 15 years. So give me an idea. Are we in healthcare, we're still reliant on faxes? Just give me an idea on the efficiency of that. And if there's other platforms to, you know, kind of expand and, and evolve there. John, Daniel, John if, you, if you don't mind, I might jump in there. Oh, for um, sure. I, I think today, and maybe what you're thinking, Daniel, is, you know, slipping a piece of paper in a fax machine and someone receiving a curled paper on the other end. Right. Well, well that does still exist. Um, a lot of the fax volumes and a lot of the faxing that we talk about oftentimes are computer generated. So you'll have something that starts as electronic in your workflow, but maybe your receiver doesn't have that same technology. So it, from a user standpoint, they'll send it as an image and it will arrive. And then depending on the care setting, 
it might be, you know, a piece of paper into a basket. Um, in some cases, pharmacies receive them, you know, like via image and work from an image as well as a piece of paper. But whether it's a piece of paper hitting a basket or an image, there's still the corresponding manual effort of either, you know, looking at that image and manually recreating the prescription, whether it's paper or image versus your systems being designed to automatically send, receive, and digest the clarification that the prescriber might send to you. So it is definitely a combination of still curled paper and more of faxed imaging. But in either case, it requires manual intervention on, on behalf of the clinicians and their staff. Okay. And Patrice, is, is this continuously being, you know, updated and, and, and brought up to speed with other technologies? I mean, is that, give us an idea there as far as the technology is concerned and, um, you know, the most, because what we're thinking about is efficiency, right? Of not only for uh, the, the patient so that they have that uh, prescription filled when they arrive at the pharmacy, but also for the administrative staff so they're not burdened with too much manual work. So this is an efficient process for them as well then? Absolutely. Um, and, and that's one of the key benefits, not only to the prescriber, but to the office staff and, and the supporting clinicians because of the because of you engage in these solutions electronically, you're able to triage it, um, move it through your workflow. However, you manage the administration of your practice through you know task management or inbox management, you're literally clicking and sending to get the prescriber's signature if it's needed versus moving paper and charts around the office. So. The goal is to digitize all aspects of this workflow. SureScripts provides solutions for all of the prescription-related transactions and supporting data. Um, and our customers are, you know, we continue to work with our direct health technology vendor customers and our end users to educate, train, and encourage them to embrace these technologies and bring them to market to your membership to help you know, gain efficiencies in their practices. So we are seeing continued steady growth. Um, a little bit later, I've got a little bit, I've got some statistics to share with you to show you or to give the audience an example or a flavor for the growth and the trajectory that we've seen with this solution in particular. Okay, thanks for that. Because I, my knowledge of this as, is as a patient, going to the mm -hmm. clinic in person, getting a prescription filled, driving to the pharmacy. And often by the time I get there, it, my, my prescription's waiting on me. And that's just that miracle to me um, as the patient, but getting that inside um, information about it, about how it's uh, put together is, is fascinating. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to turn back to something that John was talking about. He said he did have some uh, patient stories, some good examples of that. Maybe it's something <laughs> related to what I was talking about as my own patient experience. So John, I'd love to hear that from you. Yeah, you know, we hear a lot of these too. And I think the bottom line is when the provider or the provider staff is busy responding to these change requests, ultimately they have less time to spend Spend with patients, you know, what, the, what they really want to focus on. So a good example uh, is when a patient comes into a pharmacy, 
and requests, for example, a 90-day prescription instead of a 30-day, or if the pharmacist notices that perhaps a prior authorization is needed for a particular medication, instead of sending the patient back to the provider's office or having them call the provider, the pharmacist can start that process electronically with the provider, which from an efficiency and speed aspect is much, much better. So what does that mean for the patient? And Daniel, just as you said, it means they don't have to jump through more hoops to get their medication. They don't have to take on that task of trying to get in touch again with the provider team to get things adjusted. And we know how busy those provider offices can be. You know, they're managing patients very, very closely in, in appointments. So it's quite busy in practices. So some patients will just give up. And that unfortunately can contribute to higher abandonment rates. So ultimately, something like our exchange makes it much faster, less waiting for the provider and the pharmacy to establish that communication. Because if they're trying to phone each other or sending faxes back and forth, you know, oftentimes what we know from our research, a lot of time is spent just waiting for calls to be returned between providers and pharmacists. And these are very busy professionals. So that's a, just one example of how in a specific patient example, our exchange can really have a, a benefit for patients. Okay. Um, I'm going to stay with you, John. Uh, we're talking about the patient experience, but let's talk about the clinician experience as well. Um, we were both talking about administrative burdens earlier. Burnout is, is top of mind in the healthcare world right now. So what can programs, platforms like our exchange help in easing the burdens of burnout and, and just that, that high stress level that so many healthcare workers uh, reach? Yeah, it's a, it's a really hot topic in terms of what we're hearing from the market. Uh, I wanted to share with your audience, we conducted some research um, over the past six months and surveyed about a thousand of our customers or a thousand folks divided between pharmacists, providers, and patients. And we learned some really interesting things about burnout and technology. So we heard that nearly two thirds of prescribers reported an increase in the use of technology over the past 18 months. However, many pharmacists and providers still rely on older methods like fax and telephone, which is sort of counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Burnout was listed as the number two issue facing um, the profession today. So we know it's really front and center. And one thing we've heard pretty consistently, on average, about 22% of the time, pharmacists have questions for the prescribing doctor. So if you convert that into prescriptions flowing through, that's about one out of every five prescriptions has a question that the pres 
pharmacist or ultimately the patient has for the prescribing doctor. And when you talk to providers, when we looked at how providers are responding this, you know, the areas that were most frustrating for them were following up on prior authorizations. So 58% said this is an area that was extremely frustrating and finding medication pricing for patients. That's been a really um, important issue as well. What I would say is our exchange doesn't solve the problem of prior authorization, but it can help start that process for some of those prescriptions and really speed up the process. We heard some feedback uh, from one of our doctors just talking about uh, our exchange. And this is what he said. He said, the change function works great. It saves a lot of time messaging back and forth with the pharmacy. It also helps address the multitude of possible e-prescription options that the insurance industry forces us to consider, which are often not that obvious. So again, I, I think what we hear a lot is, you know, sending a prescription is not always as simple as it seems on the surface. And we're hearing that there's been a lot of questions that have come up and continue to come up from patients. Mm -hmm. John, one of the issues that causes this burden and this, this uh, burnout issue is just absolutely bandwidth. You know, it's the time sensitive issue and the time constraints of everything. So how much time are providers working on these type problems uh, that we're seeing right now? You know, it, there's a wide range, of course, because it depends on the specific R exchange request. Um, we're going to share with you some more research that we've learned, but we hear this a lot from providers and what are the parts that take time for them to figure out in this process? Uh, you know, initially it's just trying to figure out what the request is. So there's a lot of information that can be coming at them in their workflow and trying to figure out what this particular request means and what is being asked for is one of the first barriers. Another thing that we hear a lot, another aspect of this is just trying to find specific alternatives. So if there has been a request and there is not an alternative listed, uh, that can be an issue for providers. We did some research around this and we found that when, when a pharmacy makes a change request without alternative medications provided, they are responded to 9% less often and 15 hours slower than those with an alternative. 15 hours may not seem like a lot of time unless you're the patient in the pharmacy waiting for that medication or that therapy. So that is a significant finding from our research. We've also got some great real world examples of how long change requests can take from kind of a provider perspective. Uh, here's a quote from one of our doctors. With the RX change documents, and in this case, 
you know, it, it means how they're actually receiving that information. They figure that they're saving five to 10 minutes per request, depending on the type. Anytime you can save five to 10 minutes on an interaction with a patient, it helps to prevent delays and patients waiting to be seen. Any efficiency that allows providers to go home sooner and see more patients is good. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Um, I wanna turn back to Patrice now. Um, what's the progress that's been made so far across the network, Patrice? Where are you as far as that sort of life cycle? We've made some great progress over the last couple of years. Um, and, I'll, and I'll share that with you. I wanted to give a little bit of context for some of the information John just shared. Okay. We estimate based on research with our partners and, and data available that upwards of 5% of the time or 5% of the prescriptions a prescriber writes or submits require a follow-up or a change request. So that's a fair amount if you, if you multiply that by the amount of time that it takes to, to execute based on what John just shared. So if we're able to save, you know, 15 hours of turnaround time for 5% of the instances that occur with, you know, between the provider, the patient, and the pharmacy, that, that absolutely adds up and creates some significant savings, efficiency, and increased satisfaction across the continuum. So that's just an important uh, piece of data, I think, to help digest the, the true impact. As far as the growth we've experienced since 2018 to today, we've grown dramatically. When we first started benchmarking and really focusing on the R-Exchange solution in 2018, we had about 20% prescribers that were um, enabled or had access to use the service and maybe under 10% of our pharmacy partners were using the service or had signed up to use the service. So over the last couple of years, working with the industry, working with the audience that we're speaking to today um, and, our, and our vendor partners, we've continued to help educate and drive the value of the solution. And it's working. I think our clinicians in the field are seeing the value. Um, they're using the solutions. And at the end of 2020, we were at 40% prescriber enablement up from 18 in 2018. And by enablement, I mean they have, you know, they have the capability and they're live and they're able to use it. For the pharmacies, we went from under 10% to over 65% enablement in just two years. Right now, um, we're about three quarters of the way done in 2021. We've risen from 40% at the end of last year, we're already at 48% for 21. And another significant data point is really important, um, the response rate. So we'll talk about that for just a minute. One of the key growth KPIs for this solution to be successful is the response rate of the providers in the prescribing community. Because if they're not responding, the pharmacies are still having to follow up because they have a prescription they can't fulfill. So they're either needing to fax or call that physician physician's office anyway. So we're seeing a steady rise in response rate, but we're only at about 55%. 
So that means 45% of the time that a pharmacy electronically sends the change request, they're still having to follow up in most cases. Um, there may be some instances that John mentioned earlier that, that results in, in abandonment and the patient just doesn't pick up the medication, which is obviously not what we want to see. So our goal is to continue to work with the prescribing community as well as the pharmacy to improve the quality and the utility of this solution to get that response rate way up. But again, we've seen tremendous growth in just over two and a half years. So our focus is to work with you um, out you know, practicing in, in the field, if you will, to improve your experience and help gain more efficiencies and get you to respond more to help streamline the process. Okay. Um, Patrice, I want to stay with you. In an earlier correspondence, you had told me about a new script standard that had been put into place. Tell me about that and why that was done, what, what it really means to the prescription process. Sure. NCPDP is an ANSI accredited standards organization, and that is the organization that industry has aligned around to guide the development of the technology standards for e-prescribing. Um, and I'm going to speak specifically, specifically, excuse me, for the prescription writing process. So it's the e-prescribing suite. There are um, a variety of other standards within the NCPDP standards base, but the script standard covers things like the e-prescribing solution and medication history and a few other decision support transactions that ultimately inform the prescription. And within the prescription, you have your basic new RX, and then you have a variety of these supporting solutions such as our exchange that allows the pharmacies to see changes and clarifications from the prescriber. So essentially the, this industry organization, and it's, the, it's, a, it's a volunteer based standards body made up of members of the healthcare community from clinicians to technologists to product you know, innovation individuals. It's a wide spectrum of individuals with a common goal to continuously improve the technology and the efficiency of the prescribing landscape. And this group convenes a couple times a year and a new standard gets validated and named through evolution and it's bringing forward continuous improvement to the data and the content and the format to continually improve the e-prescribing process. And then um, the standard becomes part of regulation through CMS and ONC making it regulation. And so that's how the industry works together to move forward. So the most recent migration was to the standard referred to as 2017-017. And what was so important about that specifically for our exchange is it took three use cases that were kind of like three very big buckets and created seven very unique and specific scenarios. And the importance of that is it makes it much more clear um, for the pharmacy to, you know, to identify their intent or their request to the prescriber. So it better, it more sim it simplifies even more the process because they can get more specific. And I think I mentioned earlier, um, the, prior to 
the upgrades, it was just a bucket around therapeutic. But now the pharmacy can hone in on, do I need a therapeutic interchange? Is it specifically a generic I'm talking to you about? Is it more of a drug-to-drug interaction? Um, do I simply need you to clarify <clears throat> the directions on this prescription? So again, it continues to add precision and quality to the encounter to provide um, you know, better information and more focused information exchange. Okay. Uh, Patrice, you had earlier mentioned that you had some data, you'd done some research, um, and I want to drill down with a couple of questions sure. on some of the statistics that have stood out to you. First of all, from the prescriber side, what, what sort of challenges are they experiencing? You know, the prescriber's biggest challenge is when they receive a request from the pharmacy that isn't clear or, isn't or doesn't identify an alternative. Um, so what we found is, and I think John mentioned this data point earlier, when a pharmacy includes the recommended, a recommended alternative, it increases response rates at about nine, nine to 10 percentage points. But we found that the pharmacies are submitting these requests without alternatives almost half the time, 45% of the time. So there's a big opportunity there uh, for improvement. So we're working on that. So that's one of the pain points for the prescribers. They're getting these requests for an alternative without any recommendations. So we're working through that. Um, there are some change requests that are coming to the prescriber that the prescribers feel maybe the pharmacist could have made on their own. And, you know, that gets a little complicated because, you know, there's a variety of nuances between state boards of pharmacy, especially around substitutions. So sometimes pharmacies are able to be a little bit more autonomous and in other states they may need to call the prescriber. So that's a really important area of education and to ensure that the pharmacies are making the changes they can so that they really only reach out to the prescriber when they need to. And, and that's one of the things that we learned loud and clear. The prescribers, not only do they want a more informed request, but fewer requests. So, you know, we're working really hard to clear up the noise, if you will, and to elevate that engagement between the prescriber and the pharmacy to focus on those prescriptions or those patient events that really require those two clinicians to interact. Mm -hmm. um, I want to go back to something John had mentioned, and that was those complex requests. That's a particular pain point for providers. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you learn about that through the research? Yeah, and this was really fairly consistent. Um, we had over 400 respondents that participated in this particular study. And, you know, it may seem pretty intuitive, but when you dig into the data, it becomes even more telling. Um, the simple updates are quick and easy to do. Um, a change in quantity or day supply. John gave an example of a patient wanting a 90-day supply versus a 30-day supply. Maybe their benefit optimized that for them. Well, that's a pretty straightforward um, request. Um, dosing clarification. Perhaps the, you know, the, the directions weren't codified or weren't clear. That's a quick pull of the chart and you can look at those directions and submit a clarification. Or sometimes there's some missing patient demographic information. Oftentimes, 
the non-prescribing staff in a practice can handle those and has the authority to do so. Then you've got something that's pretty straightforward, but most often needs the provider's um, attention. Although straightforward, but a brand-to-brand -brand change or a brand-to-generic, or if maybe there's a, a dosage or a dosage form change or a, a route change that um, the patient can't tolerate tablets, they need an alternate dosage form that might require, that would require obviously a physician's review and approval. Where it gets really complicated is and those that take the most amount of time and cause the most challenges for the prescribers are those when an alternative is not suggested, when a prior op is needed, and when there's really complex dosing instructions. Those take the most amount of legwork, if you will, and seem to take the prescriber and their staff out of workflow most often. Okay. Um Finally, on that research, are there any final suggestions then you would give to the providers how they can, again, look for a solution here? Sure. And, you know, a lot of the, the feedback that we heard from our end users or from the prescribing community is really feedback that the technology vendors need to hear and, and work with to improve um, some of the workflows and the, the user interface features that enable the practices to streamline their workflows better. But the one thing we heard loud and clear is just reduce the volume through proactive communication. And that sounds, you know, pretty ambiguous, but it's really about getting the prescriber the information they need at the point of prescribing. And, you know, Shorescript supports a lot of solutions that provide that information around formulary and benefit with real-time information available. So the goal is to continue to educate and provide information of value to the prescribers at the point of prescribing. So they're only touching that prescription one time. It's not coming back for additional um, work and clarification. You know, the other thing we heard loud and clear is they're asking for less of the burdensome requests, those that require an investigation. That's a tough one because there will always be complex benefit designs and we're always going to have that challenge, but we continue to try and streamline the process as we evolve um, the technology and the, you know, digitizing these solutions. And again, a lot of this is supported with education and training on how to better use the tools to get the most information and to create those efficiencies. And you know, the third thing that came out loud and clear is adapting to the prescriber's workflow. I mean, this is where I think um, it probably hits home really, really closely for the audience here today is having the ability to tailor your triage process or your inbox process to meet the needs of your practice and to do so in a manner that creates the best workflow. And not all requests are the same, right? A renewal request does not um, is not the same as a, our exchange request, and it might require different touch points along the way. So really having the opportunity to manage and to tailor your workflow to support the needs of your practice based on what these solutions or, excuse me, these requests demand of you. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I have two final questions I wanted to ask you both. Um, I want to start with you, John. Um, what types of tools or resources are available to educate uh, the end users? 
Sure. And I, I think a theme that you've heard throughout our discussion today is, you know, you can have the best technology, you can have the best solution to solve a problem. But if the folks who actually have to use it don't understand what it does or what it is or how it's going to help them, uh, it's just not going to work. So I think one thing we've really learned clearly in our research is how important it is uh, to consider how you roll out and educate your end users to help them really understand what these requests are and how to best respond to them. Because if they don't know what it is, they're gonna reject them and it kind of defeats the whole purpose of the technology. So we have developed a series of assets and collateral um, that can really help educate those provider audiences. So these are really end user facing assets that are not branded. So an example I can give you is we just recently released a three minute animation that describes the basic workflow and advantages of using our exchange. And this is just a tool that we provide to our partners who then use that to educate their customers. So that's just an example. And then we also create um, little two page documents that, are, um, that can be branded by our partners. So these are just meant, again, to provide a really fast way to educate your end users on what the advantages are and what the basic workflow is of our exchange. So that when one of these requests comes through in their workflow, they actually understand in that context what it means. Okay. Uh, Patrice, I wanna to turn to you for a final thought then. Are there any uh, final words that you might have that would uh, be valuable to the audience? Thanks, Daniel. I just really want to thank you and thank the audience for your time listening um, to me today or whenever you choose to listen. It could be morning, afternoon, or evening, but we're really excited to continue to work with you all on improving these solutions and, and helping bring better care to our patients. And we encourage you to take a deeper look into our exchange story. And if you have questions or are interested in sharing your experience to reach out and we're happy to have those conversations with you. Okay. Well, Patrice, John, thanks so much for joining the podcast and for sharing these ideas, insights with us today. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of insights. Thanks to our guests, Patrice Olson, and John Bonhoff. Also, thanks to MD VIP and to CareCloud for sponsoring this week's show. CareCloud's free revenue cycle assessment uncovers billing mistakes so you can see how to claim every last dollar. Get your free assessment by visiting carecloud.com assessment. And MD VIPs Fee-based wellness program provides a better, more personalized primary care experience for patients and physicians alike, while providing consistent, stable revenue to your practice. Learn how your group can increase patient satisfaction and loyalty by visiting mdvip.com slash patient loyalty. 
If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.